Welcome back to a very special episode of LA Confidential. My name is Chauncey Talese, and I write about the future NFC West champion LA, uh, Rams for LAFBnetwork.com. It is a fantastic website. And as always, it's brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. Use promo code BLEAV for 50% off your first bet. I have a returning guest here. You may know him as the creator of Elena of Avalor, the creator of Sophia the First, and currently the creator of Fire Buddies for Disney Junior, Mr. Craig Gerber. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for having me, Chauncey. It's good to be here. Please, thank you for thank you for coming back. This is awesome. Last time I talked to you, Sophia the first had just wrapped up, and I think you said you were gonna you were in the end game for Elena. So it's a long time ago. Or at least it's it feels a, b- the before before the pandemic. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And we finished we finished Elena during the pandemic. Um, we there was a yeah it was it was I, we never had a wrap party because everyone was home. Um, we we had a huge that huge sixty six minute finale. This big movie. Yeah. We were supposed to go to Abbey Road Studios in London to record a live orchestra doing the score. Oh wow! That that all went away. We wound up. <laughs> I wound up waking up super early in the morning to watch on on Zoom uh, an orchestra in Prague um, perform the score, which was fantastic and really cool to see. Um, but you know, not the same as being in Abbey Road Studios. No, exactly. How does it? How did it feel ending two shows? Uh, what well, was bittersweet? You know, those those shows uh, we had two great crews and you know uh, elena had this overall story going through it so it was Mm -hmm. really satisfying to be able to wrap that up um and sophia as it went on especially in that fourth season started to have a little more of a serialized story um you know it was fun to be able to end both shows with this big movie for each of them that sort of wrapped up all the characters that's that was great as a writer you kind of want to be able to have that big send-off uh, but at the same time, you know, you're like you've worked with these folks for years on the crew and the cast and, you know, you have characters in, uh, that have become cherished by fans. And so it is hard to say goodbye to all that. Very true. And do you feel like you got enough time for both shows to end it the way you wanted to? Oh, 100 percent. You know, I think, um, you know, we always had a like, yeah, with, whoa, Siri, <laughs> not that Siri. Um, well, you always, you know, with uh Sophia ran, you know, there were over 100 episodes, four seasons. And so we did a lot of stories. And and it was interesting because I had kind of in season four had gone off to do Elena primarily. And there were mm. certain things I, I did still dealt with in Sophia, but I wasn't doing everything day to day. But I came back and wrote the, the finale, co-wrote the finale with the head writer at the time, uh, Michael Stern. And um, just coming back and writing those characters and writing and, and wrapping up the stuff that I had set up like six years earlier with the, with the team, uh, that was really fun. Um, and I felt like we got to do everything we wanted to do there. And with Elena, there was always a plan. Like mm-hmm. this was like, we knew where we were going for the most part. Mm-hmm. And so when, uh, not a lot of people know this, but when we realized that we were going uh, to be ending the show, the network actually gave us extra episodes to um, to wrap oh, up cool. the storyline. So we knew where we were targeting, and we knew we had the time to get there. No, that's really awesome, and I got to live through it with my daughter because she watched. We you know when she was little, little she watched Sophia a lot. So like, I had basically every episode memorized, and I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, we're in the we're in the story, but bo- the story uh, the storybook section, and yeah. then oh, okay, now we're in the Guardian section. Okay, cool. That's right. And the same, the same thing with Elena, we're like, oh, we're at this part now. Like, there's no more Shariki. Now we're on to, um, I'm, right. blank, I'm blanking on we're, her name, but like, um, what's her what's her face's mom? Oh, like, it was, uh, yeah, Ash. Yeah, Ash, there we go, there we go. <laughs> I knew it was a short name. Like, okay, now we're in the Ash era. Oh, now we're in the Serenas. Oh my gosh, you know it all. You know all the chapters, it's amazing. Dude, I, you, you know, when you have, when you, I'm sure you have kids, so you know, like, you will see yeah. the same thing, like, multiple times. And then stuff cycles in and out, too, like, you know, right now she went on. She, my daughter went back on a Muppet Babies kick, which oh, has been fun. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, I, I missed this. This was cool. I remember Muppet. I remember these Muppet Babies because the new the new version is pretty good. How and old is your daughter now? She's you know. seven now, but like we have a we have a nine month old, so like we'll kind of like Sesame Street's been working his way, working its way back into the rotation. So my daughter like, oh Elmo, I remember Elmo. And then like, oh she'll be like, I want a much Muppet Babies. Like, okay, cool. Like he likes Muppet Babies too because he likes the bright colors and the songs. <laughs> I, we'll talk. I want, to, I want to talk more about what your daughters watch. I need. I need. I could use a focus. It's a right wide range because she just got into Harry Potter. Oh, gotcha. So we're doing the thing where like you read the book, then you can see the movie. So like Absolutely. right now we're a couple or like six chapters into the third book, like Azkaban. 
Mm-hmm. So that's been getting in there and I've been trying to, she doesn't have much of an attention span. So like I've been, it's, so it's hard to do like movies, but you know, we do all the Disney stuff. I showed her the mask last weekend and she was into that. That's cool. I know I'm trying to bridge and, the gap a little. Cause I'm like, well, you're yeah. seven. You can do a little bit bigger stuff. You, if you, want you can to. handle this. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are going to go over your head. Thank God. So it's okay. <laughs> it's fair. It's true. I know. That's um, what you hope for. Exactly. How old are your kids? Uh, 15, 13, and 8. All boys. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. oh okay. That's a, di- that's a different dynamic. Like, I'm going to hit the boy stuff soon, so I don't know what's going to play or not. I've been very entrenched in princess stuff for the most mm-hmm. part of her childhood. And then some big stuff like she'll do. Um, Like My Little Pony's been big, but she also really loves Bob's Burgers. That was a big thing oh, on me. Interesting. Oh, yeah. like She loves it because it works because he's got songs and it's just very goofy. Ah, that's interesting. That's good to know. And it's lighter than like The Simpsons. Like The Simpsons is yeah. way more adult, but this and this one still still swears and stuff, but it's not as bad. My uh, my older boys binged like all the Simpsons episodes when they hit Disney Plus. Like yeah. back in 2019, they went through all of them. They went through all 29 seasons or whatever was on there at the time. I know there's more mm-hmm. now, but I was impressed. I know. and <laughs> They've seen more I, Simpsons episodes than I have. I'm glad because like, you know, the newer ones aren't actually as bad as people say. You know, it's a golden age, but it's still good. Yeah, I mean, every time I sat down next to him, it was still funny. So you know, but uh, I I couldn't I wouldn't say I'm an expert at this point. No, I, I'm a total. That's like that's like my absolute jam is The Simpsons. Like I could murder almost anybody at trivia night for that. That's that's amazing. Now the big reason why I want to have you on is because we're going through the big writer strike right now, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that's been kind of slept on is like the dichotomy between, say, a normal writer for like a live action series like Abbott Elementary or even the or even the Simpsons. And then, you know, children's animation, uh, how they're in a different situation than those writers are. What can you speak to that? Yes. Well, it's 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 really interesting because I guess from the from the outsider's perspective, it's all writing and Mm -hmm. people are surprised when you tell them uh, that there are two different guilds. Um, mm-hmm. for writers, but it's not really that the two guilds for writers. There's a, a guild for screenwriters and primarily live-action screenwriters, and then there's an animation guild, which covers all the uh, craftspeople in animation and all the artists um, and the designers. And, and so the reason for that kind of historically goes back to the very beginning of the, the movie industry, and, and I'm not going to get into the details. I'm going to give you like the sort of the overview of it. But um, the bottom line of it was, is that when, you know, they started making animated shows, nothing was, nothing was unionized. Things became unionized. There weren't necessarily scripts for animated shorts, which is what it was at the time, right? Starting with Mickey Mouse, you know, Mm -hmm. with Mickey Mouse, Steamboat Willie and all that. Um, You know, the stories were crafted by the people drawing the storyboards. And so they, the, the story, oftentimes the story was made on the boards, as they said, as they say, and um, and it may never have been typed up on a script. It may have just been written under what the panels were. Uh, there may very well have been a script, but they were they were the same people drawing it at the time, at the beginning. And so when things started to unionize, the people that were kind of, quote unquote, writing for animation were the story people. They were the storyboard artists. And so they became unionized in the Animation Guild, which now is IATSE. Mm-hmm. Um which is a separate union from the WGA, which is the Writers Guild of America, which is for screenwriting. So then at the same time, or around the same time, right, the Writers Guild was created for screenwriting for you know, movies. Mm-hmm. And, and eventually that incorporated television. And then later, when we were talking about The Simpsons, um, when The Simpsons became such a hit, uh, those writers felt like that show should be covered by the Writers Guild. And so there was a specific move to get primetime animation, as they called it, covered by the Writers Guild. And so there are a bunch of animated shows that are staffed by members of the Writers Guild. um, But those are the more adult-oriented shows. And it's not all of them, but it is most of them. And so that's why there's some confusion. So because of this... Uh, if the Writers Guild of America strikes and all those writers have to stop writing, that affects, you know, all the movies, the live action movies, the TV shows and uh, some of the animated shows, but not all of them. So, the, 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 for instance, the shows I've been making are under an animation guild uh, contract. 
which means that like a year ago, our contract was up. So, you know, if we had, uh, they wound up making a deal with the studios, but if they hadn't and they went on strike, you would have seen a situation where a bunch of children's animation writers were on strike, but every other writer in Hollywood was still working. <laughs> That's so weird. And, and and how, how, oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, as a result, because our, we are under contract, we made a deal and there are no strike clauses, like the Writers Guild striking uh, not only doesn't affect us, but we're expected not to strike out of sympathy for those, those, those writers if we're working on, a, on an ana, uh, animated show that's covered by the Animation Guild. Gotcha. And how come there's still a split between animation and live action? Is it still just a, um, a, looking, a looking down on aspect or do they just not want to merge? I've, I've always been curious about that. So, it, yeah, no, it's a great question. It's, it, um, there, there are rules in place where unions can't poach people from other unions. So the Writers Guild can't say to writers that are working on Animation Guild covered shows, come join us uh, and be covered by our guild. Like they're not allowed to. But even mm. beyond that, it doesn't it's not a choice that the unions are making or that necessarily the writers can are individually making. Mm -hmm. um, it's a choice that the studios are making. And so even. It's not a matter of like um, if every animation writer in town said we want to join the Writers Guild and have this, you know, be under the Writers Guild. It wouldn't matter if the show they're working on is an Animation Guild show. And mm -hmm. the person who decide the people who decide that are the studios and the studios have a material interest in keeping as many shows Animation Guild as possible because the minimums are much smaller. I see. Yeah. Okay. So it boils down to money and it boils down to uh a, a decision that has to be made on a show by show basis, because there's no way for the writers guild to just unilaterally tell the studios we cover animation. Now it's, Got it's it. it would be like encroaching on IATSE's domain. So they can't really do it. What? Yeah, go on. Sorry. No, just say it's interesting. Cause I know lately there's been a lot of like stuff with animation about how a lot of they're overworked and like there was an article this morning about the spider, about uh, across the spider verse. And then um, a colleague of yours, Chris Nee, who used to did Vampirina and Doc McSteppins was talking about how Netflix doesn't quite get the animation in the era of, in the world of streaming. And it just seems like a lot of animation houses are kind of pushed to the brink. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that a little bit. Um, well, there's a lot, there's a lot in there to unpack. There's the, uh, the no, no, wor no worries. No, it's um, uh, in terms of, I mean, so in terms of overwork, um, you know, uh, there, this issue, I mean, the issue comes up, but can, can come up across the board. I mm -hmm. think, you know, you are given a, a budget and a schedule. And what we've tried to do on my shows is make sure when we're setting the budget, the schedule at the beginning, and we're figuring out what the budget should be at the beginning. Um, we are doing it in a manner that allows everyone on our crew to still enjoy their lives and not be in a constant <laughs> state of crunch time because TV animation, at least at Disney, the orders are still pretty big, you know, mm -hmm. like 25 episodes a season, which can be two, you know, 50, 11 minute episodes mm -hmm. would comprise 25 half hours. And so you're working for a while and you're working on so much stuff very fast paced because not just like one movie it's like all these episodes and you start one every other week or practically uh sometimes every week and so you you're doing so much that you have to be able to make it sustainable for a crew and you know we have an overseas animation studio up in vancouver icon creative they do the animation for firebuds mm -hmm. we you know they have their own schedule we try to make sure we work with them so that everything can be done. It's up to them to manage their, uh, their animators and how long they're taking, you know? So it's one of those things where for us, you know, I, I try to make sure we're not being too demanding. We have, we want things to be excellent, right? Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, but we don't want to drive our studio partner out of business. Right. I think at the feature level, there may not be as much of a concern for whether or not the studio partner <laughs> sure. goes out of business. No, sure. And then I know, like, since you do, since you know, you do stuff for Jenny Junior. But I'm wondering, have you noticed a shift with like the advent of streaming specifically? 
like more more content more push for this because i know in chris knee's piece with the hollywood reporter she's talking about how um with that with netflix they didn't quite understand how children worked algorithmically like how i mentioned earlier like my daughter will watch the same thing like seven times and yeah. that's not conducive to like how netflix how netflix would want to run things because it's like we want to know what your behaviors are it's like well they want to watch the episode of the genie patrol episode of sophia like four or five times in a row because the song rules like <laughs> <laughs> well thank you <laughs> no really that's how that's how it would go like when it, when it was on netflix it was like okay i guess we're doing the genie patrol again <laughs> all right that's a good song uh, there is a, a voice actor who works quite a lot named keith ferguson who did mm-hmm. the voice of the genie and sang that song yeah. and it was we talked about him last time because I, I mentioned fantastic. the genie because uh, i think we had watched it that morning credit where credit is due mm-hmm. um i did read that article uh with with christy and i was i i didn't know that if you watch something on netflix they never try to get you to watch it again that was interesting i um you know it's w- one of the things about making children's anim- entertainment in general is that you're making it for an audience that will watch it again and again and mm-hmm. again so you know, you want to make sure you're making something that holds up to being viewed repeatedly. Uh, the the hits in this arena are created by repeat viewing. That's what makes the hit. You know, that's that's uh, what makes you know the SpongeBob's and the Blueys of the world. Uh, Bluey, that's yeah, very big in our house. Yeah, it's big in every house, and and there are great reasons for it. It's a great show. And it holds up to repeated viewing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, with a streamer like Netflix, they have so many things. Uh, maybe it's, I, I didn't know, maybe, I guess it's their thing not to tell you to watch the show you already watched. Um, on Disney Plus, where, you know, my shows are streaming along with Bluey and a bunch of other things. Um, I mean, they still have a good library, but I still, I still feel like you see the shows you see the shows in the disney junior bar they're all there you can scroll across them it may push certain ones and not other ones but they are all visible um what's tricky in the world of streaming is how for me from my perspective is introducing children to the show mm-hmm. um it, it, because with linear if a stu- if a network believed in the show they put it on if they really believed in it they put it on more than once and a lot of times you'd gain fans just by a child happening to turn on Disney Channel or Disney Junior or whatever you know mm-hmm. network and seeing a new show and then falling in love with it. Um, that is harder to do when everything is in thumbnails. You're right. And it becomes more. And so you're so, you, so that sort of the advertising space and the location on the homepage becomes important. Um, you know, to- seeing seeing a toy out in the world or a backpack mm-hmm. out in the world with that show on it becomes important. Um, it's for me, it's been a huge difference in awareness between having something launch on the linear channel when they were mostly linear channels and having something launch on both linear and streaming where the audience is just so fractured. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really one of so because of that you need whatever network you're on or stream you're on to really push the show. And I think that's the other thing that she was talking about, which is the visibility, the, um, the awareness, you know, uh, kids aren't reading uh, social media. They're not, you know, they're not like looking at reviews. Um, How do you get a a new viewer to turn on your show becomes harder. No, certainly. And I think most of the shows my daughter would watch on Disney plus are stuff that like, um, like you said, she would see out in the world or like she would, I think she got into tots cause she saw like the, um, the toys at target or whatever. Um, I don't know how she found handy Manny, but like, that was just another like, Oh, what's that? And then that became part of the rotation for a while. Every once in a while, a thumbnail is going to grab your eye and you're gonna be like, Oh, let me check that out. Exactly. Right? You'll see the banner at the top because they're new episodes or J debuted, you know, a new show will, will be there and people are like, well, that's new. I'm going to watch that and see what it's about. But otherwise, yeah, she saw something out in the world. Uh, you know, it's interesting, the toy company we're working with, they won't start putting out toys until well after the show comes out, mm-hmm. which is is not how Disney used to do it. So, right. you know, the primary toy line for Firebuds, there are a few toys that have come out online only, but there you won't see anything on a shelf until a year after our show's been out, after the whole first season's on. And so, you know, you're if you're counting on that awareness, 
to drive viewership. You have you have to wait until your second season to see if it works. Right, and when it used to be like like right before Disney Plus launched, they still had like the Disney Junior app, like the Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you get like a thirty, like a ten second commercial for some show. So she'd be watching, you know, Sophia, and then be like, "Oh, here's um, Fancy Nancy," or "Oh, here's um, you know Tots," or whatever. So that's that's how we get awareness there too, and that's where the the new miraculous episodes would be. So we get commercials for everything. That's so like that, that's how we get awareness. Like when she was little, little. Now it's just sort of like I guess she's just into this now because her cousin's into that. Like there's like some like weird Netflix cartoons and movies like friends of hers will be into and I'm like oh I don't know how you found that but okay, well and yeah. that's it's it's all over the place now and and viewership is all over the place and another sort of um, side effect of the streaming uh, you know phenomena is that um, you know ratings are all over the place and so mm-hmm. you know I, it's harder I think for the studios and networks to ascertain what is worth continuing and what isn't you know i i think that some streaming outlets have a churn and burn strategy towards content Mm -hmm. but historically for for the disney's and the nickelodeon's of the world your goal was to create a long-lasting hit that becomes you know eternal (laughs) yeah exactly like i you know and as you get older like when we got paramount plus i was super stoked because they had all the 90s nick shows because they had years of years and years of like loyalty with those i'm like oh hey rocco's learning life is back i can like revisit these and i think that's when what's been kind of lost especially with like kids programming like i've noticed like not so much at disney plus because that's there's like a regular rotation of things that are gone like fire buds or you know um or muppet babies like those are still in rotation but I've just noticed there's a lot more, like things are a lot more disposable now. Yeah, I, I think that's sort of, you know, kind of what I was getting at is that it's, there's so much being made and it's just being thrown out there and you're not, you're not getting a sense of, um, oh, here's the show that we, that here's a show we think you really like and we're going to sort of put it on the air in a place where you will see it uh, and, and, you know, because we think you'll love it. And, and eventually more and more people start watching it and then it takes off. It's just another thumbnail in, in the batch. And there's so many thumbnails. It's, it's harder to get um, an initial following and then harder to, to retain them because of the nature. You know, again, you, you look at how TV used to be. You had the mm-hmm. fall season, right? You had, that's when the shows would come out regularly. You could mm-hmm. look to the fall. If you like the show, you'd be like, the new episodes are gonna be out now. Like, if you like a show and you watch a season of it on a streamer, you have no idea when the next season is going to come out. It could be one year. It could be two years, you know? And, and I think it just, it, it, there's, there's no regularity with which to expect like where you're going to find something that you liked or, you know, even like a way to find something to fall in love with. It becomes much more random. Right, and that hasn't affected you yet, right? Because Disney has a very, you say that has a very specific episode order count and, you know, a, a very a specific timeline for you to get done, right? I mean, it, it's affecting, I, it affects me just in the way that they they aren't, in the past, they would look to, for the kind of shows I do, they would look at the linear ratings, the ratings on cable television, that's what I mean by linear, sure. and, um, and uh, toy sales, you know, and those the ratings now are sort of split between disney plus and the channels and i'm not and so i think at their level i'm not sure which they're looking at Mm. and then and as far as the toy sales go that hasn't even really started yet they can't even look at that until after your first holiday season so you know we're going to be in this position where they're not going to have the real data on whether um the toys are selling until we're already like airing our second season and making our third season. And it puts them in a weird position because, you know, a lot of the people that are used to making live action television and especially the way streamers go now, the way they think is you make a season, you see how it does. And then you decide you're going to do the second season. That's not how animation works. Everything has to be done real far in advance. Right. So you're, you're basically being asking these, these people running the studios to gamble on your show in a way they're not used to doing on most of their other shows. No, and that's that's also been very interesting to see how that's played out. Because also the thing I've also I've noticed in the last few months is, you know, you someone does a show that goes on the streamer, and then next thing you know, it's canceled and like off the streamer forever. Right. 
Right. Which that's, I mean, I don't think, obviously you haven't been affected by that yet. I mean, knock on wood. (laughs) Does does that ever worry you? That worries me a lot. I mean, I think one of the, um, you know, the thing, it can happen to anyone. And so that does worry me. It can certainly happen to any of my shows. Um, A lot of it, you know, you know, I think the one, one of the downsides, I guess, of having a streamer where you can figure out exactly how many people are watching is they know exactly how many people are watching. And do right? you? Do they ever show no. the, the, Oh, no. The, they never, okay. I was, just, see, I was yeah. just wondering, because I, I find that yeah. big sticking point with like the WGA strike is like, we want to know how many people are watching um, you know, all, of our, all of our shows. We want to know. I have no idea how many people are watching. I, they, don't, they don't share that with me. They, the, the people with the data don't necessarily share that with the network executives. They'll, mm. they'll give them kind of curated charts of how things are doing. Interesting. Um, with with metrics that I can't even remember that have to do with like number, number of, uh, there's like, there are metrics they have and they're newfangled things. And, uh, and yeah, they don't, they're, they're pretty cagey with everyone about that. And so do you assume like, well, I guess Firebuds must be doing well because they still have me in the building. <laughs> That's correct. That's the only way, you know, I mean, we, we, uh, they recently announced that we got, we are getting a season three, which mm-hmm. is very exciting. And I, I came to peace a little while ago with the fact that, I don't really need to know what our ranking is mm-hmm. or in against this or against that, as long as we get to keep making the show. Right? Got it. <laughs> like that's really right. It's like taking a class pass fail. I just need to know am I right. passing or am I failing? And once in a while it's like, yeah, Hey, my son's watching fire budge. Like, Oh, great. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, everything is very anecdotal in terms of response. Which is very weird because it's very hard to gauge just how anything's doing. Like I, like I would be listening to people at the park, like, "Oh, I can't wait for my kid to see Elemental," and then like you see what happened over the weekend, you're like, "Oh, well, that's a bummer." Like I, it's I thought it would be much bigger or yeah. the Flash or something like that. You're like, "Oh, I, I thought the awareness was so high for this, but I guess not." And I do wonder, do or do you do you see like the streaming bubble like completely bursting at some point, or is this just, or are we still working out the kinks in that era? Oh, that's a great question. Um... I mean, to a degree, it, it is it is somewhat bursting in certain mm-hmm. ways. I mean, it's it, you know there was there was a move to make a lot of programming, right? And now that's sort of kind of shrink that then that starts shrinking down like a year ago, mm-hmm. um, uh, and that's still continuing. But at the same time, you're seeing eight, you know Max, I guess it's called now. Max is is said they're going to ramp up their adult animation a little bit. You know, Netflix in 2018, I think, started their own animation studio and then like three years later, let most of those folks go and decided they just wanted to focus on a couple of types of animation. And now they're I hear they're kind of starting to expand a little bit again. So, yeah, I just you just don't know. It's it's a it's a roller coaster is what it is. Right, and everyone's trying to figure out like, well, what's to be expected for box office? What's expected to be for ratings? But we just don't know because we're also post COVID, and I really just don't think anyone has any clue how it's all going to go. And then you also have all these companies integrating and you know uh, consolidating, and it's just a mess. I think the trickiest thing, at least from from my perspective, and this affects everyone in it, is like you know, it kind of happened with Netflix where there's sort of this, and I'm not saying that this is how they think because I'm mm-hmm. not there. Sure. But, you know, you have a show and and it's either number one or you just don't know. Right. <laughs> and, right. and I think the problem is, is because there's so much and there's so much being thrown out mm-hmm. that, you know, it's harder to create um, a lasting hit. Certainly in children's entertainment, you know, you, you it was there really the only big hit that's come up post sort of the streamers taking over from my perspective is bluey. And that, that became a hit because of streaming. I think there was a lot of people, there was, it came, it was, you know, it was launched in 2019, right before the pandemic, like a year later, Mm -hmm. it was barely on the, 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 the Disney channel. It was not aired a lot. I don't, people didn't know about it, but I think viewers caught on on the streaming service because they were stuck home. Right, and then also like it's become a very Instagrammable show. Yeah, like it's very been memed, memed out and all that stuff too. So, but I mean, it's that... 
Yeah, it took right. a long time. It took basically two years to become a massive hit. And it was really like a year and three months it started coming on the rise mm-hmm. when they saw it on, from, from my investigation. I don't know that for sure, but it's from sort of from what I, my poking around. It took time. And, um, but in this day and age, in this moment now, um, would a show be allowed to go more than a year sort of hanging around without, before, without finding that audience? You know, right. it needed that time to grow and it was lucky to have it. And part of the reason it had that time is because they were making it in Australia and it was being made no matter what. Right. It was doing well there. So it was a license. So it mm. wasn't super expensive to say, well, we'll pick up the next season. Right. And same, like, I'm sure, I think that's how the deal with Miraculous works. So it's like yeah. a show my daughter loves. Yeah. And, like, my wife and I secretly also like really like, hey, what's going on with Miraculous? Like, oh. <laughs> Well, are the new episodes yet? What are they doing over there in France? Like, have they gotten over yet? But yeah, you know, no, yeah. I I agree. Like, everything has to grow, and there isn't there doesn't seem to be that time anymore because it, it has to just be growth, 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 and that's not sustainable, especially for the entertainment business. So I think that just makes it tricky. Is that you know, <laughs> the, the, it's harder for for you, you have to. It's hard. I guess it's just harder for to have the patience to um to to support a show. Mm-hmm. long enough for it to become a hit if it's not like doesn't happen to like become a hit right out of the gate right do you what do you see like the next like three to five years looking like as far as like the studio system going i know uh, it's a yeah. question, but more for this like question, more for this more question for was Disney. easier when someone when when netflix was ramping up in animation and spending so much money and someone was like i just and they were like what's going on and i said oh I, this is not sustainable they can't keep spending this much money that and was easy. Right. That, that was an easy. Yeah, they, they, they even, they even. I saw that person. I didn't remember actually having that conversation until someone uh, later on the crew tweeted, "Oh, you know, my old showrunner said this was going." <laughs> I'm like, "Wow, I did." Well, you were, you weren't wrong. I mean, that's what we're sort of seeing the fallout now, right? Yeah, but I, but I, I think in this moment, I couldn't even tell you. It is wacky. I mean, you know, it's, it's a weird moment where. The business seems to be so destabilized mm-hmm. that even the people that are the, the, the we're in a business where it used like, right. There was a lot of trust your gut mm-hmm. and then see what happens. And then you'd find out what happened <laughs> fairly You're quickly right. in a fairly specific way. Right. There were only a few metrics that mattered. You knew what they were. And so they could just, they could figure out whether their, their gamble paid off or not. And I think now there's so much um, reliance on data and algorithms and it doesn't seem to be necessarily working all the time. No. It and... certainly isn't working in terms of what you're seeing with the turmoil at Warner Brothers Discovery and, and mm-hmm. Netflix and everyone else and even Disney. Mm-hmm. And no one's immune to it. So I just couldn't even tell you because I think the people running things are still working out the issues right do you ever worry do you worry about ai at all uh i worry about the excitement surrounding ai in the tech and executive arena mm-hmm. you know it, it, that strikes me as um you know it's sort of like because i think part of the reason that like the entertainment business is having this moment has to do with the sort of tech company mentality coming in with this, mm-hmm. let's break things and disrupt things to make them better. But did it get better? I mean, there's certainly more things to watch and there's some great things to watch that you wouldn't have seen before, mm-hmm. but the whole business model's in turmoil. And right. are you even, the, the, the disruptors, are they even really making money at it? You know what I mean? At the end of the day. And right. so, you know, there's gonna be a lot of talk, a lot of it going forward about AI, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, could they try to rely on AI to do creative tasks? Yes. Will those things be not as great as they would have been if a human did it? Yes. <laughs> and the question will be, like, will it matter to them? You know, and I think that's one of the reasons why the, the writers feel the writer strike may last a little while, because that's an issue that is a serious issue. If you left the people in charge to their own devices, they would absolutely try to have AI write a script. They're probably doing, I'm sure they're doing it now. Mm. And, you know, um, but at the end of the day, those AI engines, you know, they're plagiarism engines. They're amalgamating things right. and recombining them in different ways. And it's like, 
so it's it's kind of somewhat unethical and also you know it'll give you something that won't be as good as if there was a writer or and a director and a crew of people who are putting their passion their artistry into it i mean when you look at the biggest hits of anything movies tv like the ones that you love they were all done by someone with a really well thought out point of view mm-hmm. there you know the big ones weren't like well let's take a little bit of this and a little bit of that because people love that stuff you know right <laughs> you know they were really like thoughtfully crafted and put together and and i don't think that a machine is going to replace that anytime soon Right. A machine couldn't do all the cultural stuff you did with Elena, for instance. They just wouldn't think to do that. No, it's just so. And, and, and there's just so much went into that. And it wasn't just me. It was right. a whole team of folks and with their point of views and their backgrounds. And it's, it's you know, uh, a computer is, is just going to look for things like that and then sort of plug them into a framework. And it'll, but the heart won't be there and the soul won't be there. And people feel that, by the way, people feel it when there's no heart or soul, you know, exactly to a project. And, you know, you can talk about the directing or the bad special effects or this or that, but, you know, and sometimes it happens because there was a heart and soul, but so many things happened to it that it just got developed out, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not like, I'm not even saying that it's like a, a personal problem. Sometimes it's just a process problem, but it, it, it usually can be sniffed out. Exactly. Yeah. We, we know what it sounds like when something sounds like it's put together by committee or by algorithm. You can feel it. And, and so that's, I think, what the people who are so excited about AI probably aren't getting quite yet. But, or don't want to get because, you know, AI would be just be cheaper. Well, it'd be cheaper. And, and also there's a little bit of like, you know, it's the, it's the, the shiny new thing. Yes. Right. Like, like NFTs. Right. Like, Ugh. you know, I mean, like I remember when those came out and, and look, you know, there are certain things where I'm not saying that like i know when something's like oh that's going to be the, the next great thing and that's not but i remember when those came out i'm like so you're just paying for an image that you could just download you're just paying for a, like a link that says you own this image and you could just see it. like it just i just mm-hmm. i couldn't wrap my brain around the value of it same here that's how i thought about crypto too i'm like so it just like made up currency like you, <laughs> anybody can just have one like where how do you how is it valuable well it just it's is yeah yeah, it's like, it's, I mean, and that's like anything. It's valuable because people value it. And so you either buy into it or you don't. Um, and I feel like there's a little bit of that going on now. Like, this is a great new thing. How can we use it to make money? Right. And that's that's the overriding concern. Gotcha. So we're going to see a lot more of it. So hopefully yeah. the writers can nip some of it in the bud a little bit. I'm- I'm hoping like that, that seems to be one of like the three big, th- three big things are running on. And I, I don't see them giving that, giving up that one anytime soon. Cause I know I've seen just anecdotally on social media and stuff and friends I have, there's like, yeah, that's like something we're really concerned about. Cause that, you know, that could, that's going to try to replace me someday. Maybe. No, I will. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go on, sir. No, I'm just saying that's no fun. Like, <laughs> Yeah. No, I will say this. Cause I didn't mention it before. I am in both the animation guild and the writer's guild. And so when the strike happened, you know, there were, there were just like a meeting I had, there was like a meeting I had set up. There were some things that were doing that, that one of them, you know, would have been for live action co- covered work. I've, I'm developing some adult animated shows. Those oh, cool. could be, those could be covered by, you know, uh, Writers Guild. So because of that, I just stopped doing, and you know, I canceled the meetings. I, I was like, okay, we're not going to pitch, obviously not going to pitch this. This could be Writers Guild. Um, but you know, because my show that I'm on is animation guild covered, I continue work on that, um, which is an, an awkward place to be. <laughs> I can, yeah, I can see that. Cause it's like, well, you can't really do anything in solidarity because it's like, this is your day job and like other people are employed under you. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, they're reliant on me doing my job and, uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's not covered work. And so I try actually do, but I have been on the picket line. I did go to the March. And rally hey, what did the your other sign day. say? What did your, sign, what did your sign say? Oh, that's my sign. favorite thing. That's oh. my favorite thing, man. Like, <laughs> you guys rule. I, <laughs> I can't. I can't even remember what. I, you know, I'll be honest. The last sign I held it said something like, "Your offer needs a rewrite" or something like that. But I didn't write that. Okay. I have to. I have to. Like, I haven't because I've been one because they have a ton of signs there, so you just grab one. So you just have to grab oh, one that you okay. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't write one yet. Um, I couldn't find a. I couldn't find a blank one to write. Have you had a favorite? Like they're just like, oh man, that's good. Oh, there have been, I mean, I, I, I there, 
I, I'd have to think about that for a second. I've seen so many. <laughs> I know, me too. Like uh, one of, a friend of mine, she posts all her all her writer strike uh, marches throughout the day, and I see all the signs like, oh, they were they were in a horror theme that day. Cool. Or yeah. oh, they went sci-fi today. Or like, my, I think the one that really stuck out to me is like AI doesn't have childhood drama. <laughs> ones. I'm like, yeah, dude. Well, I mean, it does. It does have a good. It does sometimes ha- often has a good impact on your writing, I suppose. I know that's just like uh, yeah. well done. <laughs> <laughs> I did like. I did. I mean, I like the ones that play off of mu- movie quotes. Me you know? too. Uh, so like, oh, we're going to need a bigger offer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, you need to make us an offer. We won't refuse, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm a, I'm a big fan of playing on, on well-written lines from movies. I've really appreciated how they've like really gone in on the, gone in on this and just made it fun. Cause it didn't seem like the one in 08 was the same, was the same way. It just seemed like no one really wanted to be out there, but they had to be out there. And this time we're like, you know, we're just going to roll with this and embrace like the fun of it. Yeah. I think, you know, I was, I was in the writer's guild and, and actually at that time I was a live action screenwriter. So I was, I was, very much affected by that strike and um i remember being out the picket line like every day and it was not as i would say entertaining as it is now and i think part of that is that the guild's bigger part of that is social media allows you to organize Mm -hmm. specific types of pickets and i think you're right there wasn't people they knew they had to do it because that was the strike that was over participating in in streaming mm-hmm. and getting new media covered at all <laughs> like could you imagine right. if if the writers didn't strike in 2007 like none of these shows would even be covered by the writers guild oh that's very true and it's it's wild to think about um so that strike had to happen but there wasn't as much of as much wild enthusiasm and i think the reason that there is I, enthusiasm is the wrong word but but verve the reason mm-hmm. there is more now is because the issues so many issues that have been kind of bubbling up even through the last strike are all coming to a head at the same time. And I think on both the feature side and the TV side, you have so many problems that need to be dealt with that everyone is, is collectively up in arms and supportive of the, of the cause. Yeah. And everyone's sort of seeing, yeah, like you said, like, cause the different guilds are seeing it too. Like the director's guild and SAG are seeing the same thing. It was opposed to 08 where it's just not the same. No, I mean, there's just, I mean, there were some, you know, the, the streaming residual issue really goes, speaks to all the guilds, you know, and the, the opaqueness of, of the mm-hmm. streaming numbers. So, you know, the, the, the all, all three guilds want that. Um, I, and I think the directors the proposed settlement they made, I don't think they got it. I don't think they got any streaming clarity. They may have gotten a residual bump in general, but I don't know that they got access to the actual sure. numbers. But I know that that's very important to the writers and actors because that's part of the livelihood. That's part of what allows uh, a writer and actor to keep doing it. And to set their quote. Well, like, set the, and to set their quote as well. But I mean, they have the residuals come in to, to you know, oh, the, you know yeah. it's feast and famine. And so the residuals will support a middle-class writer through those, those months where they're not working. Right. I know that's been a huge thing. Like I've, I've heard Mike Sher talk a lot about that. And that's been, I've been like, yeah, man, like that's, that seems like it sucks. Yeah. And then you, and then you have the, the mini room issue on, on the, the TV side and you have, you know, the, um, the single step, you know, the single step issue on the feature side, which, you know, writers, screenwriters only being paid for a single step, but they're expected to, to create multiple, multiple mm-hmm. rewrites for that one fee. Oh boy. There's a lot going on. (laughs) I know there's a lot going on. I want to get more into it, but like, obviously we're, but wait, you're pressed for time. I just want to get you out here on this. What are the, for your kids, what's the, what is like the biggest thing in the house for you right now? Like TV or movie wise? Like what's the biggest pop culture thing they're all into? Oh my gosh. Okay. So what is going on in the house? They, so everyone but me seems to be watching the show all American on Netflix, which Uh is seems uh which is a you know is i think it's a high school football thing Mm -hmm. about um a kid from the crenshaw area that maybe gets recruited to play at beverly hills high yep that's exactly what it is it was a cw show that's like my big netflix pet peeve is like when i found that like it was on cw you could have been like manifest is the same thing i'm like this is on nbc you guys like netflix didn't make up this show it just that drives me nuts sorry no, no worries. That's where they found it. I know, I think I knew it was a CW show, but 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 we just finished Succession not too long ago, so that oh, was yeah. so that got me myself, my wife, and then my fifteen year old 
saw us watching part of an episode in season mm-hmm. four and went and binged the entire series. Nice. Front to back in like three weeks. <laughs> wow. Yeah, my friend did that too. He's like, hey, this show rules. I'm like, yes, I've been trying to tell you for years. <laughs> this show's amazing. So that was a big, you know, that was a big moment in our household uh, recently. Um, and, uh, you know, we watched the end of Ted Lasso. That was, uh, did you like Ted Lasso? You know, I'm, I still have half a season to go, like, because um, I would watch it with my wife. And, like, it was just, like, we'd get to be too late after we put our daughter down. So I'd be like, oh, these episodes are an hour. Like, I want to, I want to. But, like, man, Ted Lasso was so much better. And it was, like, a half an hour show. Yeah, I like, mean, that it, is the issue when you're a parent. We, we do the same thing. I sometimes, like, you now be that very I'm, judicious with your time. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, we're going to catch up to it. We're going to, I promise. But, like, I also have just been like, man, he's been, like, really, it's been a lot of a good thing. It's been too much ice cream, you know? I hear you. Well, it, it, I, I like the last season. Um, I know it's, uh, maybe some people don't. I liked it. You know, we, we watched Shrinking. I thought that was very funny. That was I good. I like that a lot, too. You know, I get, when you have kids, as you know, um, and now our kids are staying up later, so get ready for that because that's mm-hmm. going to squeeze your your what are you watching with your wife mm-hmm. time to like you're going to be like it's only going to be the half hour show. I'm so already working enough of my time, and it's like what do, what do we have the bandwidth for too? Because like it's like well, I want to do Barry tonight, but like it's kind of that's kind of heavy. Can we just do like Weakest Link? That's right. That's right. I'll tell you this: the whole family really um, liked Top Chef. We always watch Top Chef as a family. Okay. That's like our reality show that we watch, and um, but. Um, you know, the bear just came back on for season two. And I don't know if you saw the bear on FX. I did. That was, I loved it. And I'm excited. So the kids don't know about it yet. I think my 15 year old will probably like it a lot. I know. I was like, oh, good for lip. Cause I remember him from shameless. I was like, oh, good for you, man. <laughs> and like you're, you broke out on your own thing. This is cool. You know, it's always cool when to see like uh, an actor take off. I mean, one of the really cool things from working on the shows I've done is watching some of the the ultra talented leads like mm-hmm. start to soar, you know. And I was so thrilled to see you got Jenna Ortega Jenna stuck. Ortega. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'm like, because I'm like, oh, that's Issa. That's right. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like you know, everyone's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you're not a parent. You don't get it. Like, she was Issa and Elena. Like, yeah. she was. This was before X. I, I promise you, she was a thing. I know it's it's uh, you know she she obviously is really blown up with Wednesday and. Amy Carrera was in a couple of feature films this year, including The Menu, and she had a great role on Maid. Oh, that's what she was. I was like, oh, yeah. hey. We looked up, like, who? she sounds like, oh, that's a light. <laughs> that's right. So it's, that's been really good. I drove, I, um, I, drove, I was driving uh, my kids to school, and I saw Sabrina Carpenter's name on a marquee because yeah. she, she, was, she was a shy princess on Sophia. So mm-hmm. that, was, uh, that was, it's really very nice to see these talented some of them are kids when i meet them right uh, grow up and, and succeed and also it's really fun being a parent the underworld of kids shows are like oh allison hannigan did like uh, a fancy nancy like you don't know like these people are like oh whatever happened to them like oh they're doing bang like vanderbeek did Van- vampirina for god's yeah. sake yeah like there's this whole underworld i'm like i know things these people have done that you've never heard of because you don't have kids i mean and that's really funny that's another really awesome thing about doing animation is that um you know, Hollywood can be very fickle about things and you could have someone who's done, you know, you're like, oh, you know, like the people you say, what are they doing now? But, you know, these are actors, they're out there acting. And a lot of times um, we can cast folks who are super talented uh, wherever, at any point, you know, like, like mm-hmm. at, you know, and they're still, they could still be working, but they'll want to do the show. And then you get to work with these great actors. And a lot of them have kids. So it's like, I want to do something my kid can watch. So that's why, like, you'd yeah. pro- that's probably how you get Laura Graham doing Vampirina. Because, like, you know, I got kids. Like, you know, they want to see something I can do. And yeah. and it's fun. And, my, like, my favorite one is, like, Harlan Williams did Puppy Dog Pals. I'm like, I would have never predicted that in, like, 1998. But okay. <laughs> that's funny. Like we, were, like, we were watching Dumb and Dumber the other day. And he's the sheriff that pulls <laughs> him over. And I'm like, oh, Puppy Dog Pals. <laughs> <laughs> and yet he's drinking pee. <laughs> this is so yeah, cool. I mean it's 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 been wonderful. I've been very lucky to work with a ton of actors that you know, just really talented folks. And another yeah. great place is like you get some actors when they're just starting out in voiceover. They want to get their feet wet in animation. So you kind of there's this window, and I didn't, I didn't realize it until after it happened. But there's this cool window where you can get someone on the rise just before they land the Pixar film yeah. or the Illumination film or the Disney film or the DreamWorks film, right? You get them like right in that, that window. Um, and that's happened to us a couple of times. That's been great. 
I know, man. Um, well, thank you for, so much for your time. Uh, go ahead and plug whatever you need to plug. <laughs> well, we've been kind of talking about it. I know, but, I know. Um, but like, <laughs> like, I know. But, yeah, the current show, I, I absolutely will do that. Um, yeah, current show is Firebuds. It's, uh, it's a show about the children of first responders and their talking vehicle roommates who, uh, you know, when their parents go off to, to, to face real emergencies, they go out in the neighborhood to figure out how to be rescuers and heroes um, with their friends and neighbors. And uh, it's on Disney Channel, it's on Disney Junior, it's on Disney Plus. It's great. Anywhere there's a Disney, it will probably be somewhere around there. And hopefully, you'll get, like, like Elena, you get your own little firebud in the theme park someday, too. Here's hoping. That's the dream. They just put Elena in the theme park. and it was, I know. They just put it, not just put it, she's been in the theme park, but they've made her part of this really cool show that they do in Magic Kingdom with all the other uh, Disney princesses. So that just happened. It's pretty it's supposed to be pretty magical. How cool is that? It's very cool. Like once you get into the park, like that's when you know like I you're an institution. I was just happy that we we set out as a crew to make a it was very important to all of us to make a princess that could stand aside, stand alongside the other feature princesses, you know, from the Disney legacy and so to have to see her in the park in a sort of show with the other princesses makes me feel like we kind of did right by the audience and by the character. All right, man. Congratulations on all your success. And thank you for the many, 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 many hours you've entertained me and my daughter. You're very welcome. And thank you for having me on uh, the show again. It's really good to chat with you. Thank you, man. Hopefully next time we get to talk, the strike's over. We can just get it, dive into like really like your day-to-day with the writers. That's, and, that's, and, that's what I really get fascinated by. And I'm happy to do it. And, and then the really important stuff, which, you know, like the Dodgers, right? Yes, <laughs> which I'm on my way to the game now, actually. So hopefully they don't blow it tonight and I can sleep happy. All right, bring home a win. All right, thank you, sir. Have a great night. You too. Take care.